Welcome to the Salt Church Podcast. We're a church that meets in the heart of Wollongong. Come and visit us on Sundays, 10am and 5pm at 275 Kira Street. We'd love to meet you. Yes, uh, this morning, great to have you with, you with, with us as we open up God's Word. I'm Michael, one of the pastors here at Salt Church. Why don't we pray as God speaks to us uh, through his Word. Our great Heavenly Father, please help us now to focus on your word. Help us to listen to what you have to say. By your spirit, Father, we pray that you might be at work in us to change us. And we pray it for Jesus' sake. Amen. We are going to speak this morning about change, deep personal change. Uh, We've got a funny response to change, haven't we? We don't like change. But all of us, I think, at least would like to change something about ourselves. Um, some people actually want to go further. Uh, they want deep change. They, they realise something is radically wrong and they, and they want that change in their lives. Others of us know we need to change. They know there are things in our lives that we need to change, but we feel powerless to make those changes. You know, publishers know this. If you want to write a popular book... Write a book about personal change. I saw this week uh, three of the four top uh, selling categories at Amazon are all about making personal change. Um, The first category is uh, memoirs and biographies. You could say that's about other people's changes, how they've changed the world. The next three are all about personal change. Self-help, religion and spirituality, Health, fitness and dieting. So it's, how can I change me, self-help? How can God change me? How can I be a different person? How can I be healthier, fitter? How can I eat better? We do want change. We do want to be better. What do you want to change about you? The good news is, whatever it is, God has something better in mind for you. See, God loves change. God loves to make things new. In fact, he's promised to make a new heaven and a new earth. He's already started this ginormous project in the Lord Jesus, in his death and resurrection. And if you're a follower of Jesus, he's already started with you. He's already started making you new. Well, here we are in Romans chapter 12. Uh, If you were with us last week, you saw... This is the chapter about the the deep mercy of God. Uh, We're going to go through this chapter. It's a a really dense uh, chapter about living the Christian life. Uh, Little bite-sized pieces each week, a couple of verses each week. This week, only one verse. And what's it all about? It is about that receiving the deep mercy of God, coming to God, receiving forgiveness, uh, understanding that deeply. And now that you've received the mercy of God, going on and seeing God make radical changes in your life. Uh, Romans 12 is about getting ready to make those changes, to participate uh, in those changes. So what is, what is it? The gospel, it's, it's deeply loved by God, come as you are, we spoke about this last week, go on, God won't leave you as you are, he's going to transform you. Real identity in God, uh, real affirmation by God, and yet God wants to shape you to become someone better. Uh, It's verse one, isn't it? I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, 
Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. That's what it's all about. Verse, uh, chapter 12 is all about worship, worship in all of life. And now we get to verse 2. Verse 2 spells it out. What does it mean to live a life of sacrifice before God? Uh, how are we to worship in all of life? Well, verse 2, look at it with me. It's, there's one positive command and there's one negative. There's one thing to do and there's one thing to avoid. Uh, look at verse 2 with me. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Uh, there's another verse for you to memorise. Uh, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will know what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. So there it is. If you lay down your life on the altar, uh, if you give up your life for the sake of Jesus, because he's been massively merciful to you, if that's where you're at, you will necessarily swim against the tide. That'll be the character of your life. You'll be like the salmon who, just bizarre, isn't it, swims upstream. Everyone else is heading downstream. Anyone can do that. Even a dead dog, so the the phrase goes, can just head downstream. You're the one who's heading upstream. You're the one who'll be different. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't be pressed into the mould of this world. Now, what is the pattern of this world? Have you thought about that? What is the pattern? Well, it's living for self. It's where you're at the centre, not God. It's, it's actually about my satisfaction, my purpose, my security, my meaning coming from me. Uh, it's, well, yeah, I might serve others, but it's actually about my satisfaction, my morals. It's about me expressing my view. It's about me asserting myself, me, well, firing up at others and thinking about others second. It's greediness and materialism. You know, actually, they're all symptoms of a much deeper, more profound pattern in the world. And you could describe that as rebellion. My life, on my terms, for my glory. It's ignoring God. It's not bowing the knee to God for his glory. It's me living my life for my glory. Paul says, don't be conformed to that way of life. Resist that pull. Plenty of people are doing that. Don't let that be you. Rather, be transformed, be changed. Uh, The word means radical change. Radical transformation. Be a completely different person. Uh, the Greek word there is metamorphomai. Uh, it's, it's where we get the word metamorphos. Uh, it's that geological term, the, the rocks, I don't know how it works, under the ground, <laughs> thousands of years, are deeply changed. A uh, better illustration perhaps is the caterpillar turning into the butterfly, uh, the maggots into moths, whatever we want to say. The thing that starts is not the thing that ends. Massive change. They don't look like each other. You'd never think that end product was from that. 
It's huge. How does God do this change? Look at the second phrase. It's by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. Uh, Come as you are to God. Uh, Receive the mercy of God. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. That's your, remember last week, logikos worship, your true and proper worship. God's not going to leave you there. He's going to transform you. He's going to make radical changes by the renewing of your mind. So the Christian life is all about changing the way you think. Uh, Changing the whole way you see the world, your whole worldview, how you see yourself, how you see others, how you see the whole universe, how you see God. Uh, You're going to see everything completely differently now that God is making this transformation by the renewing of your mind. Uh, we saw it last week, Romans chapter 1, what we started with a futile mind. Our hearts were darkened, our minds were, were futile. Now our thinking is being renewed, is being changed. God wants to renew your mind. It's, it's this new mindset that God's going to give you that will lead to radical transformation of your life. Uh, God could have chosen lots of ways to make this transformation. He's chosen to start with your mind. Uh, here again, I think, is the uniqueness of Christianity. Uh, notice it's, it's not making God making changes in us by us obeying rules. It's not uh, this change comes about by us doing religious things or having certain disciplines. This genuine change starts with a new way of thinking. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, wait a minute, doesn't doesn't change happen in the Christian life by God's Spirit? Isn't the Spirit the one who brings change in our lives? And it is true that that is there is no change in the Christian life without the work of the Spirit. Uh, you would not be a Christian, you would not be a growing Christian without the work of the Spirit. I remember Jesus said to Nicodemus, you cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you're born, born again. This is a spiritual work of God Uh, that must take place in your heart, in your mind. Galatians chapter 5 says, keep in step with the Spirit if you want to grow, if you want to change, if you want to be godly, you need to keep in step with the work of the Spirit. The question is, how does the Spirit do its work in the life of us? He does it through the Word of God. Now, that's a much bigger conversation than we have uh, space for this morning, but Briefly, we need to be clear, the Word of God and the Spirit of God work together. They are consistent. They're on the same page. They're working towards the same goal. They have the same purpose. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, the Word of God is the breath of God. It's been expelled out, out of God. Just as God breathed life into Adam, now he breathed life into us. Uh, to bring us to spiritual life. His breath, his words are expired from him. Another part of the Bible to think about, turn with me to Ephesians uh, chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. Uh, it's, it's about the armour of God and there's a, there's a great phrase there as it speaks about the work of the Spirit and speaks about the word of God. Ephesians 6.10. Um, here's, here's how to be strong in the Lord 
and in his mighty power, here's how you take your stand against the devil's schemes, it says in in verses 10 and 11, because we're talking about a spiritual battle. It's it's not about um, flesh and blood. It's a spiritual, the authorities, the powers of the dark world. So verse 13, put on the full armour of God, put on the belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, feet fitted with a readiness that comes from the gospel, Take up the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and in your hand, look down at verse 17, take up the sword of the Spirit. Wield around the, the power of the Spirit. What a thing to do. And notice what the sword of the Spirit is. It's the Word of God. It's the Bible. See, the, the sharp edge of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, is the word of God. How does the spirit do its work? He does it by the word of God. He does it by God's breath. And it's why the writer to the Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 can say this, the word of God is alive and active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even a dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. What words could do that? What words are so powerful and alive and active and making change to us? Well, it's God's words. hope that's your experience. The Bible is powerful to bring about change because it's God's words. It's the Spirit bringing about change in us as God speaks to us. Uh, As God transforms our minds, he transforms our behaviour and our whole lives. We'll get to that in a moment. But it starts with our minds being changed. Now, you, you might think to yourself, some people have said, well, aren't some churches uh, too cerebral? Too, isn't there too much thinking? Isn't there too much Bible? Isn't there too much thinking on the Bible? Isn't there too much time in the Bible? Often that's, the, that's been the critique of some evangelical churches. I remember a guy on the Central Coast saying to me, your church is the Bible church, our church is the... I won't tell you what he said, but that idea that you've, you've pushed it a bit too far, haven't you? Now, I think there is legitimacy in that critique. Uh, it's worth us thinking that through, but... Let us not lose sight of verse 2. God's real transformation starts by the renewing of our minds. I reckon it's really helpful um, to understand what is, what is this verse not saying. So Paul's not saying um, the key to transformation is filling your head with knowledge. So the Bible's big on knowledge, knowledge of God, but there's actually a warning in 1 Corinthians 8 and 1 Corinthians 13 that knowledge on its own can puff you up in pride. It's the opposite of love. Uh, Notice Paul, he's, he's not saying the key to transformation is not knowing every answer to every theological question. It's, it's not knowing the Bible really, really well. Uh, it's not passing the highest level of theological exams. Uh, sadly, some people have got theological degrees and there's no change in their life. Now, it has to do with renewal of the whole way we think. 
Uh, and as I thought about this, I, I found it really helpful to understand the way that God has made us. Um, I guess you could say, what are, who are we in, at our core? Uh, the Bible talks about the heart of a person. There's a guy by the name of Murray Cappell. Uh, he's an Australian theologian in Victoria. He's written a fantastic book. It's called The Heart is the Target. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's mainly talking to preachers. But where is God directing his words? Uh, where does he want to see change? It's our hearts. And he, he, he talks about what does God mean by the heart? Who are we as people? It's really helpful. Here's a diagram. Uh, he, he says, when the Bible talks about heart, it, he's, he's talking about mind, conscience, will and affections. Affections or passions are the things that we love. Um, that is the heart made up of those four things. And you see it really clearly in the Bible. Um, before God works on us by his word and by his spirit, before he regenerates us, um, we have a pretty, we have a terrible heart, don't we? We have a darkened mind, that's Romans 1. We have a, a conscience that is seared. Uh, our will is rebellious. We do not want to uh, love and follow God. And we have ungodly passions. We don't love the things that God loves. Uh, we, we love ungodly things. And then God in his mercy regenerates our heart. And you can see it there too. He enlightens our minds. We have a new way of thinking. We see the world completely differently. Uh, Paul says he sees people completely differently. 2 Corinthians 5. We have a renewed conscience. We have a transformed will. We actually want to love God and we want to obey him. And then it all flows down to that we actually uh, have godly passions. We love the things that God loves. We hate the things that God hates. And so when you, when you see it that way, you see that God's goal is not just to change our minds. It's to, to change the things that we love. It's to change our passions. To actually affect all of us, our whole heart, our whole very being. Uh, to change our convictions. It's to get us to the place where we love the things that God loves, that we love to obey him and we hate rebellion, we hate sin. It's not just to know that one is right and one is wrong. We, we do need to know that. But that our whole heart is loving God. Our whole heart rejects sin. That's where God wants to get us. That our loves, our passions align with our will and our conscience and our mind has been changed. All because God is doing this work through our minds. So can you see the key to transforming the passions, the things that we love, is to change our mind. It starts with our mind. He's got the, the, helpfully got the arrows moving down. That as our minds are changed, uh, our will and conscience is affected, that affects how, how we, uh, our passions, um, the things that we love and the things that we hate. And God has made this transformation by addressing us with a word, uh, with the word, his word, the word of God, the Bible, uh, words to be understood with our minds. Uh, so he gets us to change our thinking so that our will is genuinely transformed and conscience is, is aligned. So I'm not just convicted to do 
what I know I need to do, but I actually want to do it. And I actually, it filters down to my passions, my loves, my hates. Very powerful, isn't it? Now you have a person who genuinely loves the Lord. Now, that's how God set it up. That's what, that's what God's in the business of, radical transformation, genuine transformation. But what's the temptation? The temptation for us is to bypass the mind, uh, to go straight to the will or the conscience, or go, even go straight to the passions. Um, so you might have had these awful experiences where uh, you felt like your conscience has been harangued. You've been made to feel guilty for something that you're not convicted of. God doesn't operate that way. Or maybe someone's tried to force your will. But that's not the way God does things either. That's, that's rule keeping, isn't it? That's legalism. Or maybe someone's gone for your emotions. You've felt emotionally manipulated because they want to, they want to stir your passions to change, but they, they tell you an emotional story and, and you're affected, but it doesn't last. Actually, uh, it is an emotional manipulation, it is emotionalism. God doesn't do that either. God goes for the mind. He wants to reframe the whole way we think. And as our minds are renewed, then our wills are changed, our conscience is changed, our passions are changed. So you can see the path, the path that leads to genuine transformation is through the mind. Can you see how serious God is about real transformation, making us completely new people. And it's a great challenge, isn't it? Because it's not like our hearts start in a great place. Our our hearts are sinful. Um, I don't think as I should. I don't think God's godly thoughts after him. My conscience is ill-informed. I don't act in a way that's pleasing to God. I don't love the things that God loves. I have wrong passions. I have misaligned loves skewed desires and here the Bible saying the way to see change is via the mind, to start with the word of God, to actually bring ourselves before the word of God, come to God and say please speak to me through your word, the, the very word, the pages that you've spoken uh, in history to us as people. Uh, Lord, help me to see things the way you see them. Help me to take on your view. Help me to understand the way things are. Help me to fill my heart and my mind with your thoughts. And the only way to do that is to listen to God's word because that's where God's thoughts are. That's where his views are found. And here's the thing. That that means we've got a decision to make Uh, because that takes work. That takes effort, doesn't it? to actually understand what God has spoken in the Bible. It actually means I've actually got to actively engage in the Bible. I've got to be listening. God is the one speaking, not me. I've got to be up for personal change. I've got to be willing to put some work in. See, 2 Timothy 3.16 says the Bible is God's breath, it's God's word, it's powerful. And what is it going to do? It's going to teach you. Are you ready to be taught? It's going to rebuke you. It's going to correct you. It's going to train you in righteousness. And the purpose is that you might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Are you up for that? 
It actually means coming to the Bible and asking God, change me. Come to the Bible, what have I misunderstood about God? How, how is my view of God wrong? How am I misunderstanding his plans and his purposes? It's praying the Spirit might change you as the sword of the Spirit does its work in your life. And can I say too, that takes humility, doesn't it? It's saying, I need to change. God is not wrong, I am wrong. Uh, God doesn't have the wrong view, I've got the wrong view. I'm the one who needs to change. And can I say too that the danger is that we come to the Bible with the opposite view. We actually come to the Bible thinking, actually, I think I've got it right already. I think I know what it's saying. Or even making the Bible say what I want it to say. Or coming to the Bible thinking, I don't need to change. I've already, I've already arrived. If you come to the Bible thinking that you already know what it's going to say, you won't change. If you come making it fit into your framework, you won't change. Here's another danger. Another danger is that we read the Bible so superficially, we spend so little time in it, that we don't let the sword of the Spirit do its deep work in our minds and in our hearts. Uh, It won't change us because we haven't dug deep enough. Uh, If you've been at Salt for a while, you know that it's why we dig deeply in the Scriptures, Uh, not only from the front, but in all of what we're doing. We're trying to be directed by God and His spoken word. We're trying to let the word of God filter into everything we do and say to genuinely change us. And not in small, superficial doses, but in big, deep doses. And you know, uh, in every church I've been part of, there's been a discussion about the length of sermons. I'm sure you've had this experience. Uh, A friend of mine on the northern beaches of Sydney said to me that the number one criteria for them when they were looking for a senior pastor, there was lots of things they were looking for, but he said, you know, it's really important that he doesn't preach for more than 20 minutes. That was the criteria. And I worked out, well, actually, none of the salt pastors could, could work there. But, you know, I actually felt sorry for that church because I reckon that church is being shortchanged. That church will never get a deep dose of God's work by his spirit. That church won't change because they're not engaging deeply in the word of God. It's very hard to do that in 20 minutes. But, you know, it's also the heart of our small groups. We're going to get to know each other. We're going to share our thoughts and opinions, but we're actually going to dig deep into the word of God. We're going to listen together. We're going to learn from one another as we uh, explore the scriptures together. Coming to small group thinking, what have I missed? What are the insights that my brothers and sisters can help me understand the world better from God's perspective? We're going to teach one another. Again, it's all about coming, coming to small groups saying, what does this part of the Bible mean for me? What does it mean for us? What does it mean for our world? What have I misunderstood? So really, really important that you dig deeply in the word of God, not only on Sundays, small groups, personally. That's how God will transform you. 
And can you see this transformation that God has in mind is glorious. It's actually to make you more like Jesus. That's where it's all heading. But it won't if you don't let the word of God do its work. Last, one last phrase there. Uh, there's a wonderful outcome to it all. All of this so that, here's the purpose, you might test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. See, there's an outcome. You won't need God to tell you what to do every day. You'll know because your mind has been changed. You'll know what God wants you to do because you'll know God's thoughts. You know that the, the way that God thinks. You know God's plans for the world. You know what his plans and purposes are for you as a disciple of Jesus. Speaks huge volumes, doesn't it, about guidance for Christians, which is often confusing, often uh, lots of questions there. But at least says this, you don't need a special word from God. You don't need a sign. You don't need a quiet inner voice. You don't need an angel appearing because you'll know. God has changed your mind. You'll know what to love. You'll know what to hate. You'll know what is worth giving your life up for. You'll know how to treat people, what to do with your money, how to serve, how to work. Because God has changed your mind and you know his thoughts. Well, can you see how profound it is? God has got this massive project to make this huge transformation in us. Can you see what he's doing? He's making you into a completely new person by the renewing of your mind that we might think God's thoughts after him. Uh, there's, there's a little phrase in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 that says, now you have the mind of Christ. That is extraordinary, isn't it? You think like Jesus. You're going to become like Jesus. You're going to see the world the way it really is. Um, you'll be like Jesus. That's God's goal for you. How precious is that? How glorious is that? How unique is that? That is massive in so many ways, isn't it? You now have the mind of Christ as God renews you, transforms you completely to be like his son. That is what it means to be a living sacrifice. That is what it means to worship in all of your life. And so let me uh, read it for you again. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing and perfect will. Let's pray. Our great Heavenly Father, again, uh, as we reflect on the deep mercy that you've shown us in the Lord Jesus, we give you thanks. Uh, thank you that we can come as we are, uh, as sinners, people that have been in rebellion, people with futile minds. Father, thank you for the forgiveness, the grace, the mercy that is in your Son. But Father, thank you so much that you are transforming us into a new life. Uh, Father, thank you that you are doing this as you renew our very minds, the way we think. Father, thank you that you've spoken uh, in your scriptures, the Bible, uh, that your powerful word by your spirit can bring about this change of thinking which will change our will and our conscience, will change our passions, the things that we love. Father, thank you that you want our hearts, you want our whole lives uh, to be uh, pleasing to you in every way. 
Father, help us to cooperate with your spirit. Help us to be diligent as we look and dig deeply into into your word that we might be people who are transformed. And we pray it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Hey, Michael. So we've got a couple of questions that have come in for you um, around the sermon, around what you spoke about. So we'll jump straight in. First two are in a similar vein, I suppose, but um, one or well, one's mine. Um, but how do we know what conforming is? So how much being how much being similar to the world is too much? Is watching Netflix too much conforming? Following someone on Instagram, owning a house, the right type of like well, how much is too much? And how do we know? Netflix Netflix always seems to get a mention mm. on Sunday morning. Uh, how much is too much? Well, it says don't be conformed at all. Mm. Okay, so don't don't go there. So I reckon um, we've got to be vigilant. We've got to be mm. looking out. Where are my attitudes, my mindset, heading me towards that conf- yeah, that um, that worldly thinking? Mm. Um, so I try to paint that a little bit. Uh, what is it? It's about me being at the centre. Watch out for that. Mm. Um, there's a whole lot of ways to express it. Is this life all just about material things? There is no life to come. Mm. Um, the, the Bible talks about in 1 John, the lust of the flesh, the desire for, for things, the, the, you know, that you the love, you're engrossed in, the worldly, in worldly things, in material things. Mm. There's a whole lot of ways it expresses itself. Mm. In the end, it's, it's rebellion. Mm. It's rebelling against God. Mm. It's like my life is, is about me. Is that me? Yeah. So I think you want to be watching out for that. Mm. Um, how you, uh, that vigilance, I think you've just got to be watching out for it. Mm. Um, it's not legalism. It's not don't do this. No. Don't. It's, it's perhaps a way of thinking about Netflix is, well, life is not all about Netflix. I can't mm. just sit around and watch Netflix no. all day. God, God's got bigger purposes and mm. plans. Um, how is my mind being shaped? Am mm. I actually bringing the word of God to the things I'm hearing and mm. seeing? Mm. Yeah, and, and what what are your ha, ha, yeah? How are you being shaped? I guess is a thing. Totally. I remember hearing it said once. Um, it's not a good question to ask. Is this a sin? Is this a sin? Is this a sin? But rather, does it help me run? Does it yeah, help me right, right. be transformed? Exactly. Um, is yeah, exactly. this transforming me in the right way? And I guess that leads us to the next question from Amy, which is about what should our changed lives, our renewed minds, hearts mm. look like? And yeah. she says, I often feel like it's such a tediously slow process. <laughs> yeah, I think it is a, a slow process, so I can relate to that. Although sometimes we don't see the small changes that God's making week by week, month by mm-hmm. month. Um, I was only reflecting the other day. Think back 10 years. Think back mm-hmm. when you first became a Christian mm-hmm. or even before you became a Christian, what people said about you, the way you thought about the world, the way you thought about others. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, con- connect. With, sometimes you know, I connect with a friend who a friend who's not yet Christian, and I think, he's a great guy, but he thinks very differently to me. Yeah. And I realise that's because God's done this amazing work, work. in me mm. by his grace, by his mercy, by his spirit to yeah. change the way I think. Mm. Um, how does it express, I, I think, uh, some of the parts of the Bible, like so Galatians chapter uh, 5 talks about the fruit of the spirit. How would you know that God is at work? You know, It's the joy, peace, patience. You're mm. actually seeing a changed life. Mm. Um, it also talks about the uh, the work of the flesh and, and you know some of the things that will come out of of, an, of our natural selves. Yes, it paints a picture of both realities yeah. or both. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I think you, you can get a, a feel for it. Where like. am I sitting? But it really starts with that big mindset: Who mm. is God? Who am I? Where do I fit in His plans and purposes? 
where's all of life heading? Mm. That's where it all starts. Yeah, great. Yep. Thanks. And it's good to be thinking about throughout the week, isn't it? Totally. You know, yeah. um, each each moment. Um, we've got a couple of questions um, about the spirit. Mm. Um, one being so because um, you you talked about the the spirit having a part, playing a part in renewing or transforming yep. our minds by reading the word and and being in the Bible to have that happen. And so the question asks so. Does the Spirit do its work only yeah, through the question. Word of God? Yeah. So I think the, the answer is no, but the question, I guess, more important question is, how would you know it's the mm. work of the Spirit? Yeah. How would you know that God is at work in this by his Spirit? Because the Spirit is the Word of truth. Mm. The Spirit um, doesn't speak against the Word of God. And so I think it brings you back to the Bible all the time. How to do I know? It. Yeah, to check it. Yeah. And, and the Bible makes that clear. Um, so 1 Thessalonians talks about, you know, test the spirits. Mm. Um, we know that the devil prowls around like an, a, a roaring lion, an enemy. He can masquerade as an angel of light. Um, so he's clever. He's cunning. Mm. You need to test. You need to mm. be discerning. Not every spirit that speaks from God, not every prophet, not every person who's speaking God's words, mm. you test. Mm. How will you test? I think you'll need to come back to the Bible. Mm. There is no other way. And that being the standard. Absolutely. Yeah, that we yeah. go and, back and to. And thankfully, God has spoken loudly and clearly, mm. uh, Hebrews 1, in Jesus and in his word that we've, we know what God thinks and says. Mm. Um, so yeah, don't step away from that. Lean into that. Yeah, yeah. I think that yeah, that's a really helpful thing to be able to come back to that. Yes, yeah. the spirit can work in yeah. other ways, yeah. but be careful yeah. because yeah. so can the enemy. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, so, so is that the question? Yeah, is the Bible focused church afraid and what might happen? I think there's there's a right fear. Mm, yes, there is great danger when people say, "Oh, this is the work of the spirit," and you realize, "Hang on, is it? I don't think it is." Mm. Check yeah. it, test yeah. it. Yeah. Um, another following on from that yeah. is around, is the Bible-focused church then afraid of mm. what might happen if people seek to engage the Spirit beyond Scripture in other written works or elsewhere? Yeah. And I think That's right. in I line think, with I what you said. I think there is said. a danger there. Um, so, yeah, of course, God is bigger than we can imagine. Uh, God can work in any way he, he likes, but he's chosen to speak to us through mm. his word and by his Son and by his Spirit. Um, so go there, that's how you'll know. Mm. Um, and so I think it's right to test, like it says. Mm. Yeah, I think we've covered it. Yeah, yeah. that's right. So yeah. there is a sense in, yes, we, we should be a little bit yes. we- yeah, yeah. wary, a little bit afraid of moving yes. too far from yeah, the Scripture, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then the last one's quite practical. Um, what tips can you give us? Any tips you can give us on how to be better at regular personal Bible reading? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think know that you're, there's nothing weird about you if you find Bible reading hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I said in the sermon, it'll take work, it'll take effort. Um, but sometimes I think we, we bite off way too much mm. in one hit. Mm. Um, so we say, you know, my Bible ring's been terrible, I haven't read the Bible for months. How about I start um, with five chapters a day? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'll finish the Bible in six months. That's probably not going to work. So start with something mm. small, mm. like just read a verse. Mm. Like even this week, if you were to reflect on the next set of verses that we're going to cover for next week, three to five, and just read them every day. Mm. Yeah, it could be five minutes in the Bible. Yeah, don't don't leave it there. Hopefully, have you know you go further. Go further. Yeah. But if you're starting from ground zero, you're struggling. Um, start small. Mm. Um, doing it with others, I think, is helpful as yep. well. That's why small groups are good, or someone in your household. Mm. 
And you mentioned scripture memorization. Yeah. Things that we do that with kids, yeah. um, but you're yeah. doing it with as an adult. Mm. It can be a helpful thing too. Oh. I heard a really helpful thing because um, I can be a bit perfectionistic, Michael. So I'll go, all oh, right, I'm going to do my Bible year. You know, I miss two days and go, oh, I have to start again. Okay. Not wise. <laughs> um, because you don't really get anywhere, do you? Um, but one was sometimes you're just going to be reading it knowing I'll be back here. Sure. It doesn't have to be a giant theological study of every verse. Yeah, yeah, so I'm right. knowing I'm going to come back. I'll be here again. All good. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, keeping going. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, well, That's thanks good. for that. No thanks worries. for your questions and for tuning in. Um, we wish you a great week getting into more of Romans with your small groups this week. Um, and yeah, having a go at just picking a verse, finding a verse to memorize. Perhaps you've got someone you want to do that alongside or do that with. Um, And we'll see you back here, 5 p.m. If you're watching, you shouldn't have been because you have one tonight. Um, (laughs) You can jump in tonight. And if you can't get enough of church on Sunday, you can join 5 p.m.'s feed tonight as well. Otherwise, we'll catch you back here um, Sunday next week. Have a good one. See you guys.